Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, just like a Murillo Crossfield ball. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win? Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery free in terms of apply, see mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hello and welcome to the latest issue of Red Side of the Trent and we join you very shortly after Nottingham Forest to all draw with Everton at the City Grounds which depending on whether you're glass half full or half empty person is either a good point or two points dropped. We'll go through that in due course. I'm your host Christian Brown. As always I'm joined by Lee Clark, Reese Lane and a Wicklow. So we'll start off Lee with the team selection. I mean there's only one change from the morning at West Ham with Sir Jorier coming straight back in despite maybe not being fully fit. Make of that what you will. And the midfield three was obviously exactly the same with Colback, Shelby and Freuler. Now, what did you make of that team selection? Do you feel confident that that was a team that could go and win the game at Everton against home? Um, I mean, gone are the days where I will kind of look at the team and start bashing it because I think Steve Cooper's earned that kind of trust. Um, what I would say is I think it was abundantly clear that all three of those midfielders would offer something very similar. Um, I I felt within three minutes of the game yesterday that it was the wrong midfield. Um, there's just, you're kind of relying on a, a piece of brilliance from Shelby um, to, to a crossfield pass or something, but we're getting him on the ball on the halfway line and there's no one kind of, um, we had a chat in our group, didn't we? There's no one kind of, not to make out like we're pining for a, a former player again, but there's no James Garner that's going to pick it up and carry it 20, 30 yards. Um, so, that, yeah, that was the that was the, the only thing I would say. I mean, it was great to see uh, Aurier back in there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, other than it, other than that, it was just a midfield. I just think it was very same. I, I personally felt that within, like I say, within two or three minutes that it would be a bit of a... It was like we'd set up as though we were playing a better side. I think we needed to take the game to... Um, we kind of almost match them. I always think Everton's midfield three is very samey, isn't it? With Decore, uh, Gaye and Onana. They all do similar jobs and I think we kind of match them up and worried about what they might do to us as opposed to us being at home in great home form and um, having a real good go, which ultimately I think was a bit of a shame. 
Yeah, I think that's a fair comment. I think one of the things, you're right, in terms of ball carrying as well, I mean, obviously, I was quite surprised not to see Mangala play. And ironically, probably the best ball carrying midfielder we have at the club isn't even the 25 anymore, Lewis O'Brien. The whole reason we signed him was because he was the best in the championship doing that last season. I think you're right. That would have been, it was, it was actually a little bit spark missing. And I, on the one hand, I see where Keeper's coming from. It was obviously going to be a very physical battle. So from that aspect, I get why he went to that three. But equally, you are right. I think we're at home and maybe should have shown a bit more initiative than that. And really, it was something that came back to haunt us as well. That wasn't the sole reason for us going behind Reese. Everton, from the get-go, pretty much just seemed to want it more and had more desire, were faster than us and quicker than us. And, you know, they deservedly took the lead, you have to say. I mean... What else? There's a bit of a moment of indecision that killed us before Shelby's very late challenge, and you, know, you have a, an opportunity where Colback and Freud both have a chance to clear the ball and both sort of leave it to each other. No one does anything. It forces the Everton player, and Shelby just wipes him out. But I mean, and obviously then Demario Gray dispatched the penalty, of course. But Reese, I mean, it was I was quite what's the word, disappointed. If you like the start that we made, I felt that we were a lot better than that. And I was very concerned when that goal went in. How did you feel about the whole passage of play and how that sort of opening period went? It was a typical Sean Dyche performance, I thought, from Everton. Um, just 100% committed. I don't think any of them Everton fans can say yes, say that their team didn't give everything for them. Um, it was just a lack of quality, what I thought was evident, really. Um, but going back that goal. I mean, unfortunately, Colback and Froyler were chasing shadows first off, um, and it it's quite ironic that it was them two's, as I pointed out last week, where we've said about lack of communication has cost us a goal there, because someone just needs to put the boot through that, and they kind of both try and do it, and then I think like Froyler kicks the back of Colback's foot, and it just goes about six yards, and I mean, the shelf, there's minimal contact for me for that, but He's planted the foot, Annie McNeil's seen it, he's gone over it. And you, nowadays, you're going to get them, unfortunately. So, um, just such a sloppy goal. Um, and then to go 1 0 down, and uh, we'll come on to it. The second goal, equally the same, so sloppy. Because let's be honest, apart from Navas tipped one over, didn't he, from McNeil from probably 25 yards, and there was the grey one at the end of the first half, Everton didn't, Navas didn't make a save. So it was just a shame that his own downfall really yesterday defensively has cost us three points. Um, but yeah, then their midfield I thought overran ours first half massively. Just that desire and willingness to get around the pitch. And again, as we'll come on to, thankfully Ryan Yates was brought on and he managed to add some of that because I thought we struggled in that department yesterday. Definitely, yeah. It's interesting you thought the penalty was quite soft. I mean, as soon as Shelby put his leg in like that. It was one of those where everyone around you sort of groans before the referee's mm. blown his whistle. And we all knew it was a penalty. It was very yeah. late. And like, you know, if that's the other way around, we'll all be screaming flat every day. But um, we'll I, th- I think from like our generation, Christian, where we've grown up in football, you'd probably say they're soft because of what you've grown up into. But like mm. nowadays, you're going to get them. There was, he just, he planted his foot, didn't he? And I, I think did Shelby put the whole, the old arms up as in pleading his innocence. and <laughs> I ref- looked away at that point, to be honest. Yeah, as soon as, as, like soon as the ref blew his whistle, head, I was yeah. like, fuck's sake. But mm. yeah, that was just a comedy of errors, really. And it, just yeah. an, easy, an easy clearance and turned into his game 1-0 down. Well, thankfully, it didn't last very long, Adam, because that goal seemed to 
breathe some fire into the forest, if you like. And very quickly, we sort of asserted ourselves as the more dominant team in the game. And it wasn't, you felt a goal was coming and coming pretty soon. And that eventually happens. Obviously, Gibbs White plays a lovely one too with Chris Woods. And then, you know, forces, gets a good shot away, Pickford parries it. And there, you know, joining on the spot is Brennan Johnson. I mean, from that point, and obviously going over the goals, did you think that Forest could go on to win the game at that point? Yeah, I thought we was very much in the ascendancy, really. We was getting in really good areas of the pitch there. We was winning the ball back fairly quickly. Up, up, before before the goal, we wasn't moving the ball very fast, but I remember the ball going out for a throw and Warrell throws it really, really quick into Felipe. It gets transitioned over to the other side of the, to the left-hand side and then Gibbs White's obviously drifting from that left-hand side and and pick the ball up where where you'd like him to, and it is a good one too. And and uh, fair play to Johnson for anticipating where where the ball might fall, and and he taps home similar to the goal he scored away at Goodison, which is where you want your winger slash striker to be. Really, it's that's like chalk and cheese for him, really. And then I I don't understand how like Forest do this to themselves because we were so much on top, we was having corners, we was having kind of like half chances and getting like mo- there was like moments where we was getting some joy down the flanks especially down uh, Ben Godfrey's side I thought credit to Johnson he got nailed quite early doors from Ben Godfrey and I thought he-, he might chicken out of a lot of things and actually I think the next time they come across each other I think Johnson had a bit of a swipe at him and then and then to be fair he went he went at him every single time and I think I was very critical of Johnson earlier in the season about that sort of thing about him shying away from the physical side of the Premier League but he's really like since the World Cup he's really touched to it and I think fair play to him because it, it's it is difficult I can admit that and I was probably very harsh at my critique at the time I just felt like that he has that side to him and he's obviously showing it now because he's he's reaping the rewards for it. But yes, I'm so sure someone will go through the second goal, but what a sucker punch. Yeah, sucker punch indeed. I mean, it was very interesting going back to Johnson quickly that Everson started with Godfrey at left back instead of Mikalenko, probably because Godfrey's much quicker. But even then, Johnson was burning him all game. It was a very good battle there. And I thought, you know, Johnson, but even the physical side, even you're right, when the kicks did start coming, he just kept getting up and, you know, giving it back, which, you know, means he's very much adapting to the life in the Prem and being the player we all think that he can be. But yeah, Lee, we will touch on the second goal. I mean, again, obviously, I know you're going to have a bit of some choice words to say about this, but uh, I won't go too much into the ref yet. But what I will say is that obviously, you can't blame the referee for what inevitably happens because it's a simple ball into the box and Forrest should deal with it. But what I don't understand is how Gibbs White nutmegs an Everton player in centre circle, gets yanked down by his shirt and somehow the free kick goes the other way. Um, maybe you can touch some light on that. But again, the goal itself, I mean, I think it was Felipe, Worrell and Freuler all miss a header and the ball ends up in the back of the net in front of the Trent ends. It's just a comedy of errors, really. That's a touch point. And worryingly so, these sort of defensive frailties that we've shown, especially on the road, sort of, Rear their head a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that's what Sean Dyche's teams are all about, aren't they? I mean, win a cheap free kick and then just load the box with big guys and, and hope for something like that. I mean, they won't score an easier goal than that all season. Um, to be fair to Tarkovsky, I don't think he lost an header all afternoon. Um, him against every, every little passage of that goal was just a complete mismatch. So you've got Felipe, it was just too slow to, I mean, he was just out, out leapt, wasn't he, by. Um, Tarkovsky and then the second one I think it's Worrell who just gets there a little bit too late and then the third one Froehler just lets Decore steam past him 
why is I mean why is Froyler marking Ducore? I don't know. It, it's clearly it's it's three errors that have cost us a, a really si- simple goal, and it is a bit disappointing. I mean, like you say, if we're coming back to the ref, then I won't go big just yet. But yeah, it was a clear foul. I think there was two fouls to be fair. I think there was a little pull on his shorts, um, and then the next minute he's in a headlock, and the ref pointed the other way. Um, yeah, I've got a little list, so we'll, we'll come to that later, I'm sure. Oh, I'm very much looking forward to it, because, I mean, good God, he was bad. Very, very bad. But anyway, Reese, uh, second half, obviously, like, Everton held that till half-time, and then second half, Everton camps. They didn't even bother. So, like, as you touched upon earlier, Navas could be making daily chains inside the Forest goal. We had absolutely nothing to do. Everton basically just didn't want to leave the penalty box, and it was just a case of Forest trying to break them down. And to their credit, and also to credit of Steve Cooper as well, because... He did the exact same thing he did at West Ham. You know, he brought off two midfielders and put another extra attacker on and you know, went to that 4-2-3-1 and obviously brought Yates on as well. And you have to say it works. It was an attacking change. It led to a goal and Forrest looked like, you know, with he may maybe keep a ruse not making that change 10 minutes earlier, but the dynamism of the game completely changed when that triple change was made. Yeah, um, because the game was drifting one to... I mean, there was probably... 20, 25 minutes of just pure wastage of scraps and, you know, the referee losing really control of the game and them time wasting, which I know it annoys us as far as fans when you're on the receiving end, but when we do it, you know, Bryce Sandy used to do it all the time, and it? Um, we loved it, so you got to take that on the chin. But the referee just didn't seem to stop it, and you just kind of felt this is going to be one of them days like we've had in the past under other managers. Um, just to, I think it was Cardiff under maybe Lamucci. Um, we lost 1-0 where we just couldn't get anything going. And it, you just thought it was going to be that type of day. And, you'd, and then it, it obviously becomes worrying losing with respect to Everton, a team who is struggling as much as they are at home when that is our forte as well, uh, because on the road we've been really poor. So... Yeah, credit to Forrest for showing some resilience at actually digging in and, you know, getting um, the equaliser. But that was due to the brilliance of Brennan Johnson. And, you know, just to follow on what Adam said, I agree with him earlier. You know, we had um, a little grievance here on the season about not putting himself about as much. I don't know whether that's just belief or whether he was playing a bit within himself because of that unique World Cup we have. But I generally think he's putting himself about loads more now and it, and it's reaping rewards for him. Um, like you said, Christian, it was a great battle with Godfrey. Um, I do like Godfrey um, as a defender, but he is naive. He does like to jump in at times. And it was, and I thought Johnson made it life difficult for him, um, obviously, like getting him on the card. So the second goal was a brilliant pass from Yates as well, but a proper bit of magic from Johnson. That was right in the top corner. And thankfully... You know, he's producing the goods he is because without him, we probably would be really struggling. So long may it continue. I, th- I think I seen on Twitter yesterday, there's only, is it under 21s? Only Saka and Martinelli have scored more this season. The Prem, I mean, <laughs> that's not bad company, is it? So, I mean, Forrest could literally kind of put his value on a blank check at the minute. That's how crisis is becoming at the minute for Forrest. No, definitely. I think that's a very fair assessment. It's interesting since the World Cup as well, because it isn't just Johnson that's really... See, he's the one that's still in the headlines at the minute, but 
No, I, I felt that since the World Cup, all apart with the exception of Dennis, as much, but we'll come on to him later on, of course, anyway. But I felt that Surridge, Awani, and Johnson in particular, it was like a lot of work had clearly been done on the attacking unit over the World Cup break because Awani came back in that first, well, not the United game, the game after against Chelsea, looking like the player that we thought we were going to sign from the jump. Surridge seems to have regained most of his composure and, you know, the confidence that he had in the championship and Johnson with good lord he's just absolutely ripped everything in front of him since then so it's been really good to see it in, it's it bit, might be Prince Nuff staying up or not it's a bit like a conspiracy theorist but and it is very conspiracy theorist this but like do it may be his thought like I know he's got a long career ahead of him but Wales is kind of golden generation to come to an end at this World Cup as he thought in his head will I ever get the chance to go to another World Cup so he's like it's all surmising, but he's been been brilliant since the World Cup's ended. He's like he's matured that extra level, and he actually believes in himself that he belongs at this level. Um, and it, he's, you know, if he carries on like this, he's gonna whatever league Forest are in, it'll be really hard to keep hold of him. Um, he must be going close to what you say, Christian, about that when you go up a level higher. You kind of get that half. He must be nearly par for that, I bet now. Yeah, he must be. I think what he got, he got 18 goals last season. But, yeah, he's got he's nine in now. all comps. I think. Yeah, so well, there so, you go then. So he's, he's yeah. really there. So, you know, credit where he's doing. John Sunderton really is delivering the goods at the minute. And, you know, it's great to see. And just hope. Like I say, Forrest could literally write on a check what they want mm. for him at the minute because, you know, that age and that type of talent. You know, we we always laugh, don't we, at other clubs who put like, you know, West Ham 120 million on Declan Rice, Villa 100 million on Jack Grealish. But with how crucial them players are to them clubs, they can they can name that price. And if, you know, there's clubs out there who will pay it, as City obviously did for Grealish. I, I looked up Anthony Gordon yesterday to see what, what, what his returns were for Everton in the last couple of seasons. He's 22. How much did he go to Newcastle for? Like 50 million. Yeah, he, 45, 50 million. Johnson scored, and that uh, was a, a Johnson scored environment as, as well. He scored as many fair. goals this season as Gordon has in his whole career for Everton. So what's his what what's Johnson Johnson's value must be way higher than his. That's all I'm going to say. So. In, the, in this day and age, you just write a figure down. Clubs can can't. I mean, look at the prime examples. Brighton, you know they, no, yeah. they, they what was it three million to pay for Caicedo? Arsenal offered them seventy million. Was it in January? They were like no. We've got a new contract now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that improvement on three grand a week, whatever it was on. I mean, criminal for a player of his stature. But it, it was really very neat Johnson who stole the show again, Adam, at the end. Like, it's so desperately unlucky. I mean, so obviously I used cut in, you know, Dennis and I brought the ball forwards, gets a shot away, Pickford's parried it out, much like the first goal, but sadly this time for Johnson, he's sort of, I've seen like a lot of fans sort of say like, "Oh, what's he doing?" Sort of thing. For me, he slips. I don't think he's just gone with a bit of his head. I don't think that, I don't think he's that naive. I think he generally has slipped, and it's just very unfortunate. But what did you make of the incident? Yeah, I was at that end of the ground, like literally parallel with with Johnson as he's running at the back post. There, I mean, it's it's good from Ayu to do that because I think like you like you say, you force Pickford, and I mean he's got some quaver art wrists, and he really, I don't know how he's England's number one. He's I don't rate him at all at club level whatsoever. I mean, he does he does keep Everton in it at times, but I'm not I'm not so sure about international level to be honest. But yeah, he does fall over. I did make a joke that he's maybe going for the perfect actually trying to edit in sort of thing, but that's only the silver lining. But I think he made the most sprints yesterday, and and to be fair, we we did lack a little bit of an idea second half when we were struggling to 
uh, get at Everton because the amount of times where Warhol or Shelby or Ore were just clipping it into that channel and Johnson just looked dead. He looked like he couldn't run anymore. So fair play to him for that finishing to get us back on it. And I mean, I did think we was going to go on and win that. I think if we had an extra maybe five, six minutes, then we might have done. A, I'm surprised Cooper didn't go for it and bring on like a Lingard or a Surridge just to, to go for it. But maybe he was satisfied with a point because largely we weren't at the races in all honesty. Yeah, it's like, like I said, I wonder if he sort of thinks to himself, I wish I made those that triple change maybe even five minutes earlier. So I think they were there. It was all like, but I guess um, it's interesting. I obviously get your point, uh, your views on this as well, because we all obviously went into this game sort of not expecting Forest to win, but sort of hoping that we would because it would have been very important. We would have gone seven points clear of drop zone had we had done so. But I mean, the difficulty is, I mean, I saw, I think it was Callum Castell actually tweeted it, sort of like, you know, wrestling, wrestling with Trent. Uh, guess, and he said that um, you know, he wouldn't have taken a point before the game. Then he saw what the league table looked like whenever some were winning, and was like, "I'd absolutely take a point right now." And I think that's probably a good way to look at it. I don't know what you guys think. I'll let you all sort of jump in accordingly. I mean, I think the emphasis. I obviously I put that clip out with Lee uh, saying that he doesn't think we'll get another point away on on the road. Maybe we we'll get one or two if we're lucky. And obviously, it sparked a huge debate about a lot of other things. This is unnecessary, but yeah, we'll, we're not going to that. But I did think it did spread a bit of negativity around this around the fan base, and then obviously, players do feed off off the fans. Almost, it was a little bit of a subdued atmosphere. I thought at the city ground, it was a po- there was pockets of noise and and here and there, and obviously, it wasn't. I think there was a lot of nervousness, and I think it's because. At the start of the season, everyone said, right, we'll, we'll have a right good go. And if we have a good go and we go down, then fair enough. But because we're now in the fight, I mean, if you said Forest will be four points above the relegation zone with 13 games to go, you'd snap your hand off for that to be within the conversation even. People thought we'd be cannon fodder at the start of the season, especially when we got dicked 4-0 by Leicester at their place. And you're looking, staring down the barrel of the gun almost with Cooper potentially going and Rafa fucking Benitez coming in. So... For me, I think it's the nervousness of of shit. We're actually got a chance of staying up. Now there's a lot of pressure on our home games, but we do need to start picking up away. I mean, Cooper did say at the end of his interview, he says we need to sort out the bloody away for me. That's that's direct quotes from his mouth to Colin Frey. So, yeah, that's that's my two pence on it. I think you are right. I mean, especially with the away for like we, me and Reese for the game, we said that we probably would have taken a point today. If our waveform was better, because you know we make the point, they make that two points up. But yeah, it's a difficult one. That I think the the problem is obviously when you like you say, Adam, when you're in amongst it, it's just a lot of nervous energy because it would be complete unknown, really, if we did go back down into the championship. It would be well, what's going to happen with a squad? We'd likely lose Johnson. We'd probably likely lose Gibbs White, to be honest. Who would probably I'd say his two best players. The likelihood is we'd lose other players, obviously, because they're not going to want to play in the second tier. And then it's obviously the last time I went down, it took 23 years to get back. And that also seen as dropping to the third tier. Um, So you can see why people are pessimistic. And I got a bit annoyed, really, when we went 1-0 down yesterday because the crowd just went flat. And I'm just like, come on, let's get let's really get behind them in the ground. You know, we all say stuff on Twitter and on this podcast and we get, you know, people get said the negative, blah, blah, blah. But when in that ground, you know, you've got to get behind them in a big game like yesterday. It was a disappointment to go behind, but it was still very early doors. 
and it just kind of went flat. And then all of a sudden, it ramped up a little bit, and we and we equalised. So you know, and and it's just it is it is tough because like for us for a generation, I've never been in this situation before in terms of being in the big league, and as well, you kind of think you're not going to get any teams who are really, really poor, like I think you get in the season, championship. No, it's season. like I look at like last season when we went to Peterborough away and they offered nothing. I know we only beat them 1-0, but you're just not going to get a side, I don't think, in the Premier League like that, like Everton yesterday. Not as really. consistently. Yeah. I think I, I think Southampton and yeah. Woolworth aren't that far off, but they will mm. still pull our result out of the bag. Even Saints yeah. into the last three games. I mean, though, I mean, and look, look so, at Bournemouth, went to the Emirates and scored twice. Yeah. And it was... A lot of people say, well, what do you expect when we went to the Emirates and got rolled over? You know, Bournemouth yeah. attacked them from the off and scored after seven, was it seven seconds? Nine 11 seconds, seconds, yeah. So, yeah, it, it is, it's very, it is very nervous times because it's so tight as well. And from a neutral's perspective, it's got a good arm as one of the best Premier Leagues for a long time because everything's to play for, the title, the top four. There's also, you're looking at a batch of new sides you could get into Europe. And then you've got Crystal Palace downwards who are all in a fight to stay in the league. Um, so you've got three spots for nine teams. It's like I said to you guys in the chat, I generally think you could see everything going down to the last day. And God, you know, Sky and BT would wet themselves if that happened, wouldn't they? So hopefully we can get ourselves safe and enjoy Sellers Park for all its glory on the last day. No, absolutely. I, mean, I, I, I said before, I've said before, I can still see that game having huge connotations attached to it. But um, I thought you're right about the atmosphere. I mean, when we equalised, we had like straight from kickoff pretty much, we got a corner and the, the roof just went off and we got that corner. It's like everyone started to believe again. It was like, right, that gets it. Come on. We've given them a chance now. They've come here and scored. It's not acceptable. We're fucking back in this. Let's go. Mm. And then we just couldn't ride that wave long enough because Everton fucking hit us with stupid shit. Yeah. Summer. And that, that, uh, it was annoying because like, I know it shouldn't have happened, that goal, Christian, but that was a blatant foul on Gibbs White. And of course it was. I mean, you know, we'll come on, we'll come on we, we lost concentration. That's I mean, you can't accept that. Mm. You know, we did. We lost concentration because it was probably aggrieved that we hadn't got that free kick and we switched it off. And then we're 2-1 down and you're back to square one again. But that's fine margins, as we always say, don't we, on this podcast. <laughs> the Warburton. But no, it, what Facebook's like that ref is like... You know, so obviously he was stripped of his duties, wasn't he, Lee? Because of the um, you know, fucking up at Palace and Brighton. was very lucky that Lee Mason probably overshadowed him that weekend. And then, you know, he gets a two-game sort of, like, quiet period, comes straight back into a massive relegation six-pointer like this, and he's just fucking shit for a while. I mean, like, on the one hand, you can say, OK, you've got the big calls right, you know, the penalty is fair enough, and the second claim they had, you know, as they showed, like, on the, on the fourth or fifth replay, Cole very clearly kicks Cole back and then just throws himself. It's not a penalty. And I think had that kind of VAR, they would have overturned that anyway, really. And then, but it's just... I don't see how you can say the referees perform well when there was four separate occasions where the players have come together and started pushing each other. It was just an absolute... He lost control and you could see the players just like... You could see it in the eye. They're like, all right, that's it. He ain't going to give anything. Fuck it, just fly in. And that suited Deitch's team down to the ground. They lucky and loved every second of that. And they knew they could get away with time wasting. They knew they could do whatever they wanted because he's just been pushed over. Yeah, I mean... I've... You've made a lot of good points. I mean... I'm going to try and be balanced to the point where he, he, he had a poor game yesterday. But, I mean, some of the stuff that I've seen in the aftermath is a little bit OTT. You've just hit the nail on the head there. 
the powers that be might turn around and say he did technically get the two big calls spot on the penalty and the no penalty. Um, but obviously, for it to be considered a strong performance, I think you've got to have all the other little bits as well. And I don't think he had any of them yesterday. I mean, just for a bit of context, John Brooks is probably viewed by the FA and the PG MLL as someone with huge potential. He's young, he fits the profile of what they're looking for. Um, and do you know what? He's not one of these officials that's been kind of fast-tracked as some of them are nowadays. He's one that has kind of cut his teeth right at the bottom and he actually took the route of being an assistant referee first. He was good enough doing that role to get the FA Cup final in 2016 when United played Palace. He then decided he wanted to take a referee in. So as you do, you start in the conference and work your way back up. But doing that, absolutely fair play to him. That must take a lot of dedication, a lot of commitment, sacrificing a lot of things at home, family, that sort of stuff. So fair play. What I don't understand is yesterday was, for me, as big a game as Liverpool. Forest Everton was as big a game as Liverpool Man U. It's just at the different end of the table. So quite why we've got a referee who hasn't refereed a Premier League fixture since the 14th of January. Coincidentally, he also took charge of Everton in that game. They lost to Southampton. Um, I'm not sure if that was Lampard's last game, actually. Um, but anyway, that's that's a different story. I just don't understand why a referee who's been in the spotlight for all the wrong reasons was given that particular game this weekend. Um the fourth official was Tom Bramall, who's having, by all accounts, a pretty good season. I know he refed our game against Wolves when there was a few um, instances, but he also refereed our game against Southampton and we won 1-0. And I thought he had a very good game that night, to be fair. Um, so I find the appointment bizarre. I think in context of any level of refereeing, the idea that you want to let the game flow is admirable, but sometimes you can't do it. Give the safe free kick and stop a mass confrontation. There was four, at least four occasions. I actually think you're being generous, Christian. I think there was five or six occasions where everyone in the ground would have accepted a free kick. It might have been soft, but it was in the middle of the pitch or in the corner of a pitch where it's not going to directly impact something uh, that could be massive. Just hit the whistle, give a free kick. No one's going to be asked. Happy days. Instead, he let it play for two, three, four seconds and chaos ensued. And it's like, at my level, if I did that, it'd be called shit. It'd be called crap. At Premier League level, it just quite simply shouldn't happen. Um, that's why they earn the big books. That's why they have spent years of their life dedicating to get to the Premier League. You just don't expect it to... I can't remember seeing a Premier League game where control was lost so badly. And I think looking back, the referee will be... You know, he'll critique his own performance to the point where he will say, I could have done this better and this better and this better. Um but, I mean, it was just for Steve Cooper to come out and, and moan at them. You know he's had a bit of a stinker because Cooper's quite relaxed. He's quite uh, defensive of the, the difficulty of the job. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he was just... He didn't help himself, and that's a, a real shame. I mean, I'll touch on the, the stuff I've seen in the aftermath about him being from Leicester, and he sat in the Leicester end when we played them in the Cup, apparently. Well, do you know what? If he did that... So, I mean, we played Palace and John Brooks coincidentally gave Palace a penalty at the Trent end, didn't he? Um, he's obviously keen for me to see quite a few penalties at that end of the ground. But 
obviously Forrest won that game 1-0. No one was coming out on Twitter then and saying, oh, yeah, he shouldn't be refing Forrest because he, he came to the Leicester game, whether he did or not. I mean, again, if the FA knew about that, I'm sure they wouldn't have put him in that environment. Is there, is there an argument that if you're from Leicester or you're from Derby, you just can't do any fixture that involves Forrest? Maybe, but then you've got the argument of, I mean, there's eight teams involved in a relegation battle. So is John Brooks just not going to ref any of those eight teams for the next three months? There's got to be a line drawn somewhere. They have the, it's the same argument when Taylor refs any of the Manchester clubs, Liverpool, Everton. Oh, he's from Manchester. Well, come on. Question the decisions, but never question their integrity, I always say. Um, so that, for me, is a complete load of bollocks. Um, yeah, yeah, I appreciate that's a bit of a rant, but I thought he, he had a poor game. Um, it's just... It, it, I don't. I can't see. I think, it, like Reese said earlier in our chat, it's a bit petty that Forrester perhaps go into the, the powers that be. Maybe they just want it on file that they have um, had a few stinkers. I'm not sure he's going to have any appearance. We might get Oliver and Taylor sent down for a couple of games, but you know what? It's it's the world we live in. Someone will be unhappy on social media or in the ground that something they give. So I move on from it. But yeah, I, I think to summarise that Brooks will know that. Yesterday wasn't his best game by any stretch. No, that's fair enough. It is very interesting about that whole report thing. I think maybe you're right. It's just to have it on file. Because, I mean, I don't really know what realistically Forrest can expect from that. Like, I mean, it was quite... Again, you sort of touched on the, the example you gave there, the whole the Palace game that we won, and obviously last, yesterday that we lost, it's suddenly an issue where he's from. Obviously, they said about what Madley being in Huddersfield and the Wembley, and they've, they've got that on file. Like, you know, I don't, the referee didn't have any. I mean, no, the referee wasn't the reason why we lost at Fulham. Like, I mean, the game, you but... think how ridiculous that sounds about Madley. John Moss was from Huddersfield and he refereed the game. So, I mean, come on. Marion Ackett is cleverer than that, surely. I mean, I think you're right. I think it's just a sort of like, you know, there was one thing I did agree with. I do think there is a point where there is a bit of a top six bias. And you've Absolutely. I mean, I've said that also. The basic point I give is that, you know, Lee Mason cost us two points against Brentford with some. With obviously getting a penalty wrong and not giving us a penalty on Gibbs White, which clearly fouls, and that was sort of like brushing the carpet, apology, whatever it happens, and then he fucks up an Arsenal game. He's made to resign, and it's sort of like, well, is that is that what it's going to be like? So unless you're a top six team, there's no grievances. Is that how it's going to be? No responsibility, no accountability, nothing. Absolutely, I do think I do think you're right to a certain stretch there. I think they were waiting. I mean, I said earlier to you, Christian, that I think. With Mason, it was a series of high-profile errors. But it, it, you're right, it was interesting that they didn't get rid of him after an high-profile error in a Brighton game or a Palace game. It was after Arteta had been pissed off. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it was interesting yesterday, actually. None of the goals seemed to get checked for very long at all, did they? I'm not saying they should have been because there was nothing wrong with them. But, you know, if if, if that was a 2-2 against United or Chelsea or Liverpool... There'd have been a there'd have been a longer delay, I think, before the game kicked off again. Just to, oh, just to cover the all bases. scored against like, the, the one that Yates had disallowed. They spent four minutes looking at him whether it was handball. They completely missed that body was offside. Yeah, like, it was like it's... it was like a goal against United. Shit, find something wrong with it. It was like, but they're staring you right in the face. What's wrong with it? You're just looking for something that isn't there. Like, that shouldn't be happening. And and just to, just to finish on Brooks, I've just thought of an incident that I actually thought was the worst thing he did all day, um, and it was when. He seemed like he was going to play an amazing advantage. There'd been a foul in the corner oh, near so. Re- where Reese is. So. Yeah, uh, no, no, the other corner, sorry. You said, the, yeah, yeah, the main corner. Was it? Yeah, it was a clear foul, a clear yellow card. The lino was there, so the lino would. Because I think sometimes in those situations, the referee's got to be careful that he remembers which play. Sometimes you do forget. You're that embroiled in your advantage that you do forget the player. Um, 
But the liner was there. He would have got the player. It was on the fourth official side as well, so he would have probably got the player. It looked like he was going to play the advantage. I think it was either Johnson or Gibbs White had a one-on-one. And then it was almost like he saw the open ground ahead of him and thought, do you know what? I'll go back and book him now. Why? Just... that, that was his chance to kind of pull back some trust from everyone. And he... I generally thought he'd done that because you're going to send him off. Mm. I think that was the only kind of... The positive is our Seattle this, you know, we've had Mike Riley in charge for a long time at the top of referees. You've now got Howard Webbin, who I think has got a bit more of a modern outlook on refereeing. So hopefully that change of guard at the top will see some progression because, you know, it's um, yeah, not ideal, is it? No, no, it isn't. There was another incident in the first half as well. Actually, just remembered from about the advantage where um, I think we had a chance down, again down that same side, but obviously towards uh, the Bridgeford end goal. And Oria had it. And he, yeah, good, we're in a good position, like to make it work. And he went, nope, nope, pull it back. He's like, come on. And Oria sort of like went to boot the ball away in frustration, and just sort of did that thing where he just grazed it. And you can tell what, what he, how angry he was, but yeah, not good. And hopefully, I mean. We'll see. Nothing's going to happen in this report, of course, but hopefully, like, it does, it does at least spark a conversation. I, I think that's just kind this, of like, a, yeah. a show of a little bit of strength of, you know, we're here, look, this, we're not happy. Mm-hmm. And then the, Forrest might think, well, like Leisha said, we might get a bit of a better rated official or we might actually get the rubber the green for a game. You know what I mean? Nice, I, 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 do get it's, I do get it's a tricky job with the appointments because, I mean, every club wants the, the top performing officials, don't they? But ultimately... These guys, in theory, should have, again, I, I'm known for getting lynched for my little clips that Adam keeps stitching me up with, so this one <laughs> might be the next one. But, I mean, everyone will always have a problem. I think this is the world we live in on social media. You see it every week at every level. Ref was rubbish. We, we won 3-0, but the ref was rubbish. I came off the pitch at Stapleford on Saturday. Stapleford won 3-1, and a Stapleford fan wanted to know why I'd not sent a player off in injury time for violent conduct. He threw the ball at the ground in petulance, and it hit a player. Come on. do I, I used a bit of common sense and gave him a yellow instead. I mean, come on. It's at every single level. So you'll never please everyone with the appointment. They'll always remember that incident three years ago when he didn't give us a free kick on the halfway line. Certain people are like that, but... There's got to be something, I think, for a game of that magnitude yesterday. It should have been an official that had been refing for the last couple of months and getting pretty decent marks. Maybe like a Paul Tierney, something like that. Experienced and not someone who's been in the spotlight for all the wrong reasons in the last month or two months. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage of McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Just a break in play to give a plug to my business. This is Reese off the pod. I have my own courier business, RL Delivery Service. I do local and GB deliveries. Good rates, fully insured. So give me a message on, it's RL Deliveries on Twitter. You can find it in my bio, which is um, Reese spelled R-E-I-S-S. 
NFFC, or I'm also on Facebook at RL Delivery Service. So if you do need anything moving, give me a message and I'd be more than happy to help. Going back to the game after that slight digression, um, yeah. have a look at some player performances, but only a handful. So we're going to start, Lee, with Remo Freuler. Now, obviously, I know we're quite big fans of Freuler, but what I've noticed is that whenever we win and whenever we get a good point somewhere, it's always like, oh, Freud is great. Look how much he ran and look how much he's like pulling things together and make it all tick over in midfields, et cetera, et cetera. And when we lose or get a point that's maybe seen as negative, it's he's fucking shit. What does he offer? I don't know what he does. He's a passenger. He's invisible, blah, 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 blah. And yes, they were certainly one of those examples, especially looking at the aftermath of the game. So how did you think he played first and foremost? Um, I don't think it was his greatest performance yesterday, I've got to be honest. Um and that's from someone who rates him. I, I mean, it's funny, it's gone full circle, hasn't it? It's gone from, in the space of a month, it's gone from, you don't understand football if you rate him, if you don't rate him, to now you don't understand football if you if you do rate him. It, it's very strange. It's, it, with players like him, though, I think you'll always get it because if he's doing his job properly, he is keeping things very simple. Getting the ball to someone who can do more with it, i.e. A, a Shelby or a Gibbs-White. Um but I actually think we're at the point where if you're going to play that three in midfield, then you've got to replace one of the other players to get the best out of Freuler. And I mean this in the nicest way possible about Jack Colback, but it's probably him that drops out. Because I think if you pair, if you put Yates in that midfield yesterday with Freuler and Shelby, it probably looks a lot more fluent uh, and it probably helps Freuler out. I would like to see more from him. I think... Um, I don't think we've seen the player that was clearly brilliant for Atalanta for all those years. Um, I mean, you don't play over 200 times for a team that regularly qualifies for the Europe, if not the Champions League, uh, captains them. Um, so, yeah, I think um, I'd like to see more from him, but I do rate him. Um, and I like to think I know quite a bit about football, so bollocks to whoever wrote that post on Twitter yesterday. Um, but, yeah, it's one of them. I, I he had a bad game, but but he's it, like you say, Christian. It, it's become a trendy thing, hasn't it? After games, it, we get we get a win and a point. He's brilliant, and you lose, and you need a scapegoat, don't you? Some people need a scapegoat. I mean, some people will say that because we're negative, we we provide some critique on the pod after a bad performance that that puts us in that bracket. But I don't think there's any need for the constant overreaction. I mean. It's one bad performance. Yeah, he might have had a few bad performances, but that doesn't mean, we, oh, don't play him, just drop him. Well, who are we going to play instead? I mean, we've got to work with these players and what Cooper is good at is the coaching side of things. So in theory, um, he'll be working hard on the training ground to to discover how best to get Freuler, uh, that was nicknamed the conductor. Because I, I don't really think, as much as I rate him, I don't really think we've seen that just yet. No, I think that's fair enough. It's, I think what's interesting is that I think someone made a good point, actually, was that he, I don't think he's, since his debut, I don't think he's missed a game for Forest. And obviously he had the World Cup as well, so where he played every game for Switzerland there too, came straight back into the fold pretty much. So I might, I'll have to double check that's actually correct, but I'm pretty sure he started, I'd say, a good 95% at least of games, well, he's been available for. So keeper clearly trusts him and clearly wants you know, sees what he brings to the team, what he provides. But he's yeah, tossed in think... the armband as well. Don't forget. Yeah, I mean, he, that's he's very clearly true. respected. Yeah. He's clearly a respected member of the dressing room. Mm. Um, it's it's funny, isn't it? As well, because like people say, oh, you've got to trust Cooper unless the unless he's playing a player that you don't rate. I mean, 
let the, he sees him every day in training. So, I mean, we had those sorts of comments when it, when we critiqued Yates, you know, when we first started this podcast. So I, I think now all of a sudden it, it's those people that are kind of getting on our case because we rate Froiler. Um, it, it, it's it's funny old game, isn't it? Football to quote Greavesy, but yeah, I mean, it, we can, we could see more from him. I'm not going to sit and say I like him, so he's brilliant because he wasn't brilliant yesterday, and he perhaps does look a little bit leggy. Maybe a, a game or two out the side would would do him good. I actually think he's missed Yates a lot. I think Yates, I don't know, I, I don't know. just seem to work very well in a three. I mean, not so much in a two because we saw it. See, they got ravaged, but when they had a third person there, whether it was Kuyati earlier in the season, or whether it was Bangala, whoever else, like they just seem to complement each other very, very well. So hopefully now Yates is back in sort of contention and getting on the pitch that we can sort of mm. see that. I actually think the three you mentioned, Shelby, Yates, and Freuler, is our best available midfield that we can field, and you know, it'll be very, hope, hopefully we can see that more frequently. Uh, Reese, I was sort of torn for you as to whether to give you Chris Woods or Emmanuel Dennis. So I'm going to give you both. So there you go. Yeah, lucky day. The dream. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we'll start obviously with Woods. I mean, Woods another one that you know. Again, it's the dive be very much casting him. It seems. But I actually thought he like, did a good job yesterday. Obviously, had a good part in the goal, kept the defenders occupied, and put a good shift in. Really, what did you think? I'm going to be like King Canute, aren't I? Trying to hold back the tide of all this uh, stick that they've got on Twitter. Um, um, I'll start with one because obviously he started. Um, not as bad as I think a lot on Twitter is saying Persaf. I did think he put himself about a bit. But as I think we spoke about, me personally, um, on the last couple of pods, he's not a starter for me. I see him more as an impact player where you probably late on, like we did against Manchester City, you're chucking more balls into the box and you're hoping he's going to be on the end of it, which, to be fair, in that game he was. I just don't see him as a starter. We needed, as we spoke about in previous comments, we needed, we needed to be high energy yesterday from the off and he doesn't really offer that. Offer that. Um, so, yeah, he wouldn't be a starter for me. Um, like I said as well, it, all these grievances have come because... It was seen as, yeah, short-term option, we'll take that. But as soon as the fee was branded about 15 million, which I think we all agree is steep, it's like, you know, that negative negativity's come from that, really. <laughs> now you're giving me Emmanuel Dennis. Um, you know my opinion on Dennis. I, <laughs> for me, sins, I think there's a player in there and I won't ever change that. You know, you don't score with respect, 12 goals, I think it was last season in the Premier League for a side who went down, if you're absolutely fucking useless. Um, it's just, he's like, you know, I'm, I'm just repeating old stuff here, but I don't think Cooper trusts him, does he? Defensively, he's naive. I think you could see that yesterday. There was a couple of times where he dangled a foot in, just like petulantly, really. But going forward, I thought yesterday he come on and did all right. Um, there was a, quite a few times he got us on the break. There was one way he started it into Gibbs, I think, into Gibbs White. And then the, the the main one was where he completely robbed Tom Davis on the halfway line and we was in. And Tom Davis just, just yanked him back, unfortunately. Um, I don't really see what you can do about that. Otherwise, we was away. But, you know, he also put in um, a really good cross to us, which I think Warrell nearly got his uh, head on. So... It's one of them with Dennis. I think, like was said, and again, I'm just repeating old stuff, a clean break would be good in the summer, and I do think that will happen. Um, there is myself and another, um, a guy on Twitter who have always kind of hoped 
um, Dennis had got a bit more of a run, um, but it's, it doesn't seem to happen. And I just don't think that will pay any really dividends for Forrest. I think the mind's been made up on him. And to be honest as well, I think Sam Surridge probably falls into that category at this level because Dennis and Ayu are ahead of him there. And even maybe, I mean, maybe even chuck Jesse Lingard into that as well. Where Different position look, for Lingard, I guess. Yeah, I guess. But he can come in off that left, can't he? And he's chucked Dennis on instead of him yesterday. You kind of look, do they have a future at the club if we sustain this league? Obviously, Surridge would definitely if we drop down, you'd expect. But yeah, interesting. And um, I think whatever level we're at in the summer, you're going to see probably quite a few changes again. I mean, yesterday, Scarper and Danilo didn't even go on the bench, did they? So, you know, I'm, I'm not really, I'm not sure which where, as Lee said in his, his comment, Cooper sees him all the time in training. So, you know, we'll see. But um, not as not as bad as I think some on Twitter made out. But going forward, probably, you know, impact players at best are probably going to be for the rest of the season, really. Yeah, that's generally fair. Enough. I thought Dennis played well when he came on. Mm. I was a bit surprised that he was cool. I think we all are when he gets like given yeah. a to come on, Dennis. Yeah. I thought I, I thought he contributed pretty well. I thought you know um, yeah. it's, it's... There are, it's, you can see there is a player in there when he gets mm. on. It's just like you seventy know, percent of the things he does are good, and the other thirty percent is like, oh god, what have you done? And thankfully, we saw more than seventy percent against Everton. Really, but... the, the weird thing is about Dennis as well is like he come on at Fulham, and I know he missed that chance, but he actually looked quite lively again. But then mm. he kind of goes another two games with where Cooper doesn't use him. And then, like, obviously, he's used him yesterday, and you kind of sense would he play or come on at Spurs? Probably not. It's interesting. Yeah, I think, it's like, it's, like, with the selection, I wonder if Cooper just does it on a game by game basis, mm. like what he has available. So, again, obviously, with so many players, it probably makes sense. I but... just don't think Coop is a Cooper sign. I mean, I've, well, yeah. I'm not going to say I'm an inside info, but a pretty reliable source told me it wasn't a Cooper signing from the off. So, you know, that, that probably is bare dividends. And, you know, he's kind of, we all see his like eccentric kind of attitude, don't we, on social media and, you know, um, piggybacking into training and that, you know what I mean? It just doesn't seem a Steve Cooper fit, does it? Let's be honest. As much as he has got talent, you've got, you've got to apply that talent in football. You know, people talk about potential, don't they? But what's potential if you never actually maximise it? It's just a buzzword, isn't it, really? Essentially, yeah. Although... I guess, like, like you said yesterday, Dennis has sort of, I don't think he's gone past the potential stage because he scored 12 goals last season. Mm. But so, but no, I think he was he was handy when he came on. I think him and Wood both did a solid job yesterday and both got pelts for it, which is very weird. But um, as I said earlier, it seems to die as very much cast on both of them. I mean, it, I find it weird with Dennis, actually. It's quite funny that since Wood's been starting, he's sort of taken all the flack off Dennis. And you've got the same people who are saying how shit Dennis was now saying, why isn't he getting more of a run? It's like fucking a month ago, you were saying you want him turfed out to fucking Turkey or whatever. Well, now he wouldn't start The thing is as well, like, for Dennis's perspective. Like it's a fickle sport, honestly. Yeah, I think everybody's fickle. We, we will be guilty of this on this pod. That's football, mate, at the end of the day. It's a very fickle, hypocritical sport. It is, you know. You only have to go back to, like I say, God... How many players have been shit and now good? You know, we'll probably get accused of it at Ryan Yates, which is fair. Um, now we're wanting him in the team. That's just football. That's just the way it is. It's just some people, unfortunately, have got to make sure that people remember that you said that player was crap. You know, just move, just move on at the end of the day. It's, it's how the game is. 
Definitely, yeah. Anyway, to wrap up player performances, Adam Felipe. So Felipe in the first half, I thought, was quite contentious. He put a few passes straight out of play and generally was a little bit sus. But in the second half, I think if any kid was watching in the ground, like, I want to be a centre-back, Felipe's performance in the second half was nothing short of biblical. He seems to just stop everything. There'd be a body part of his somewhere that would like take the, the spin off a ball to sort of let a forest player swoop in. He searched down the left wing at one point. Like he's he had a brilliant half. half. He, he sort of really epitomised that's the sort of like caliber of player and really winner that we've sort of brought to the club. I thought. How do you think he played? Yeah, first half, <laughs> his passing was to be desired, wasn't it? It was. Passing behind Lodi a few times or just to no one. And I was thinking, did this guy really play Champions League and, and win the Liga with Atletico? And then second half, yeah, he turned into a bit of a, a battering ram from the back there. And there was a point where there was almost like a loose 50-50. And I went, this is a red card waiting to happen. And he kind of managed to pull himself out. There was a traditional scissor tackle on the halfway line, which I thoroughly oh, mate, enjoyed. That was so funny, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was one of those you sort of turn away thinking you got booked, but it was kind of worth it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, we we do... Def- I think him and Nia Kate would definitely complement each other in terms of, like, Nia Kate being the ball winner, ball playing uh, centre-half and, and Felipe being the head it and kick it guy, but is extremely aggressive with it. He almost looks like he wants to kill a, a player every every time they come near him. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's a partnership that I would love to see before the end of the season. Sooner than later would be would be nice. Obviously, I mean it'd just be nice to have a full fit, like strongest eleven to choose from. I don't think we've even had that even since the the, the Newcastle game at the start of the season. I wouldn't say we've had a strongest available side to pick from really. And I mean that would be a headache for Cooper, but one that I think is reasonably easy one to make. Um. I just wanted to make a point on the on the midfield three. I think I think Yates as well will make that kind of deep run, won't he, from midfield? That's that's what something we was lacking yesterday. I mean, I tried to put it in the chat about Gibbs White playing far left and Johnson far right, which is something I suggested about playing away from home. And I think if you've got that midfielder that can kind of do a job where they sit between like left back and left centre midfield to cover the gap and still make a three in midfield, so Gibbs White can come in and Lodi can kind of occupy left wing. I think you get an overload, and still you get the quality there to play. I mean, it's a big, it's a big problem away from home. It's I'm, I'm intrigued to see what you lot think about Spurs away in the next moment or two. Yeah, that'll be a uh, very interesting. Put it mildly, but um, no, long live Felipe. Anyway, we're gonna look on to your step on it thoughts, uh, trademark Lee Clark. Uh, before we move on any further, so we'll start with uh, Yummy Bear says again, two avoidable goals conceded. We showed heart and players like Lodi, Aurier, Brennan and Gibbs White fronted up, didn't take no shit from Deitch's pub football. I do must admit I did say that Deitch is sort of like the, the way throws Wardock and I kind of stand by that after the game. Uh, that Garibaldi nurse said Froiler, the referee and Wood all below par today. Don't think Wood is a starter. Impact sub for me. Johnson immense. Needed to win really, but it's a point and coming back into it twice may have a positive mental uplift. Ash says draw fair result. Think we were too slow in possession of the ball up until the last 15 minutes of the game. Also thought Dyke got Everson playing all right. Pressed us high up the pitch, got in our faces and made it difficult. Dan White says positives. Johnson, Gibbs White, Shelby, bar the pen. Yates and a desire to come back from behind twice. Negative, central defence looked fast, too nervy. Inability to keep the ball, naive in key moments, Wood and Dennis. <laughs> and a whole segment about how Wood and Dennis played all right. Oh, funny. Uh, points a fair result. So important not to lose today. 
Uh, so Elliot says, the referee was shocking. Gibbs, White and Brennan both class and only getting better. Yates is the warrior that we need. We didn't lose when early in the season we probably would have done. I think that's a fair assessment as well. Chris Wood did the most best impression of the tree I've ever seen all game. Stayed still most of the game. <laughs> God. Ben says, keep calm and carry on. Joseph Pickard says, we're a team crying out for depth and pace. All the more remarkable of our additions. Still not sold on Wood's lack of contributions. Again, this is what I was sort of talking about. Like, Anything, unless Wood scores, it's going to be like, he's not doing enough, he's not doing this. For, uh, but again, opinions make the game go rounds. Phil says, very poor first half, tactically naive, played right into the hands with Wood up front. Better in the second half, but still not enough. Johnson, Felipe, excellent. Yates changed the game when he came on. The rest were average. We'll take a point, but needed to be free with the games coming up. That is my biggest concern, actually, with Spurs and Newcastle on the horizon, but we'll see. Stuart Clarkson says, another poor performance in defence, not helped by another poor callback display. Midfield were poor until Yates came on. He'll help improve Froiler, Shelby's impact and our form. Brennan showing that he has a very high ceiling. Would better but needs service. Neocarte back soon, fingers crossed. Carl Booth says, ref was a joke. Great finishes by Brennan. Must defend better. Anyone who doubts Yates isn't up to this level. Need to give their head a wobble. We missed him and he teed Johnson up with a goal. Decent point, but still opportunity missed. And last but no means least, John Giddings. That midfield three is poor again for me. None of them have legs. Honestly, the three against City, but against a struggling West Ham and a poor Everton at home, so that like a sore thumb. Need some legs in there, and hopefully with Yates back, we won't see that trio again together again. So there are some more, but going to go through so many. Thank you all for getting in touch with us. We do massively appreciate your input and engagement with us. And then I'm going to move on to something that I've got for all of you. So I've been doing some digging because... I am quite worried about what it's going to take for us to survive in the Premier League. So I've got some very interesting stats. I'm going to reel through the, from the last, the, the points total needed to survive in the Premier League over the last few seasons. So last year it was 36. The year before, obviously it was COVID year, it was an absolutely embarrassing 29. I don't know how the fuck that happens. 29 points to stay in the top flight. I mean, Jesus Christ. And then before that, we have a sort of some normality. It sort of sticks out like a COVID year as well. It was 35, 2018, 19, 35, 17, 18, 34, 16, 17, 35. So we haven't actually needed 40 points to survive in the Premier League since 2011. Some Wolves did that. And over the last six years, obviously, we have to say six, excluding that sort of shambles of a season, then the average is 35 to stay up. So Forrest to what? nine points off that so that would be saying in theory three more wins would statistically put us in a chance of staying up so with you know as we all get a bit more nervous and a bit more sort of you know on edge how are you all feeling about it and how many points do you think we're realistically going to need to stay up so Lee I'll stay with you I'll go with you first Um, I've said for a while 35 Um, them stats you've just read don't really make me want to change my mind on that, to be honest. Um, I think 40 would be fantastic, but I think, I don't know, I can't see. I think there's a couple of things that might factor in this season. The fact that, like Reese said earlier, there's still an awful lot to play for. I mean, if everything went down to the last game of the season, you'd probably have fewer teams in the division that are going to be putting their flip-flops on with five games left. Um, So that could help us. Another factor is that I can't really see. It's probably going to take two or three of the teams below us to go on some sort of mad, crazy run um, to bump the, the number up. I don't mean for us to drop in. I mean, obviously, it's only four points. That's what you've got to keep looking at. Uh, but yeah, I do think 35 would probably do it. 
Would I want us to be chancing 35 as our target? I'd probably rather we aimed for 40, just to be safe. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do think 35 would probably do it. But it, it, again, it's difficult. I mean, I've just said that about teams not having the flip-flops on. In a few weeks' time, the, the landscape could look a lot more, a, a lot different and a, a lot less rosy, I suppose, with the fixtures we've got. On the flip side, we might get a couple of really decent results and we start looking towards mid-table and talking about how many points it takes to sneak into the Conference League, as Forest fans typically do. That, that, that's us all over, isn't it? I mean, it's just, we all like that. I mean, when we beat... I'm just looking at my wall chart yeah when we beat Leeds and we were shot up to 12th or 13th or whatever it was everyone was like oh we'll be in the top half in a few weeks with Everton to play and, and West Ham to play it, it's going to flip-flop a lot isn't it I mean I, I left the ground a little bit dejected last night thinking we were all of a sudden we were going to be embroiled in it again but do you know what I woke up this morning and was a bit like we've, we've got a point it's another point closer to 35 and I think that'll probably be enough this season did I help with my optimism, Lee? Yeah, possibly. I think you rubbed <laughs> off on me. There are a few things. I think you're right. I think like it was sort of like we sort of left thinking it's a little bit of a missed opportunity, but in the grand scheme of things, we've still gained a point on some of the teams beneath us. So that is obviously very good. We're closer to 12th than we are 18th. That is mm. something that we do need some perspective on, just because that is quite a big fact. There was something else I saw actually. It was um, I was trying to get out for you. Which did sort of make me feel like a bit like, oh, actually, that's not so bad. Yeah, obviously, there's a bit of like some fan panic. Obviously, we have we've had two teams beneath us, which we they were beneath us anyway. We really should have like done better with on the face of things. But over the last five games, we collected more points than Palace, Everton, Bournemouth, and Leeds. The same as West Ham, and only one point less than Saints and Leicester, and we're still four points clear. And obviously, Saints just they beat Leicester as well. So I think that's nothing. Teams around us are taking points off each other and more. Like fervent rate, it's not a case of like one. There isn't a Norwich, for example, or West Brom just rocks up, gets smacked, goes home. See you in two years' time. Everyone's sort of fighting for it a bit. So there is going to be that element as well, and many more specimen turns to come too. But Reese, what's about you? What sort of points tally are you sort of looking at? You've literally nicked my quote there from another former manager, Billy Davis. You like saying that one, didn't he? Twists and turns. Um, I'm look. I'm literally looking at the table now. Like Lee said, um, and I said earlier. Everything's so bunched up, so it probably will bring that number down a little bit because there isn't like, for example, say there's four teams fighting for three places. It's literally nine teams. So there's going to be weeks where teams gain and teams lose points. So I'm still looking at it. I don't think it will be 40, but I kind of look at it and think if we get another four wins from 13, which would put us on 38, I think that'd be enough personally. Um, obviously, you've always got to aim for that magic 40 into that's kind of a traditional media kind of um, thing. But, um, <laughs> you know, you you just got to take it game by game and you just pick up as many points as you can. Um, well, Winsport's on 38, not 36. I did, did I, say, I thought I said 38, or did I say 36? I said 36, yeah. I was did like, I, 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 we I lost points. I thought, I thought yeah. you said 38, to be honest, Reese. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, we'll let the listeners. Um, feel that anyway I thought I said 26 to 30 but that's by the by um so so yeah it's just so tight isn't it and um like you say because there's going to be so many twists and turns I'm not sure kind of what is going to happen I think 
a little bit of a negative towards us. You look at our next two games, and you'd have to be quite optimistic, wouldn't you, to say we're going to go to Spurs and get anything. And then you're playing. I know Newcastle have dropped off. With Newcastle hit their straps, I know we've been very good at home. Kind of think they'll they'll be the favourites for that, for example. Um, and then obviously we've got the, a little bit of a break then. But um, yeah, if we can get to like them twelve points from thirteen games, so you're looking at average a point a game. Really, I think that that's got to be like the what you're really looking at, and I think that'll be enough. Um, what I've seen of Everton yesterday doesn't worry me at all. I just think we gifted them two goals and they did create very little. I just think their squad depth's very... They haven't got a striker. They're playing the winger up front, for God's sake, and they've got a striker on the bench. So that says that Malpai's done under Sean Dyche, doesn't it? So, um, But obviously, you know, Southampton picking up a win. It, it, it's going to change every week and it's just... You know, the, the over-the-top reaction, what people will say, is because we've been, last week, got absolutely dicked by somebody um, who's down there with us. Like I said last week, if it had been a tight game, we'd lost 1-0, there probably wouldn't have been that reaction. But that's the way it goes. It's a week-by-week -week basis. It's going to keep changing and a lot of twists and turns, as we've said. Definitely. And last but not least, Adam, what do you think about what points, Tally, do you think we'll need to survive, realistically? I think... 36 might be enough. I think, like, if we get three, win three wins and a draw or, or however it comes, hook, up, hook by crook or whatever you want to call it, then I think that'll be enough. I think, like I said earlier, it's just the worry because, and Reese has obviously reiterated about us coming up and then it was 23 years, obviously, when we, when we went back down the last time. I think that is the general worry of, of not being in here. And then, obviously, the unknown of what's going to happen in the summer with players and then does Marinakis get pissed off with Cooper and go, right, well, your time's done here, even though we've got to remember, really, it's his first season in the Premier League. It's his first full season with Forrest. I would say, what, three or four of our players have played Premier League football before. It's, I think sometimes you've got to take a little bit of perspective and take a step back and kind of look at the wider picture and go, do you know what, we're in a bloody good, we're in a probably the hardest league it's been for years it's so competitive and like you say no the only team that might have the flip-flops on by the end of the season is Aston Villa like stranded in mid-table there with Chelsea it's <laughs> but like it's such a split you'd be saying that stranded with Chelsea it's like a split <laughs> isn't it though when you look at the league you're like Crystal Palace and below is just a shit show and then like Villa and above is like me like is where you would like to be and you're kind of looking at looking down below and just getting the popcorn out really. But yeah, every game and every, I think every game and every single fan from now to the end of the season, whether you're near the top or near the bottom, is going to feel feeling like it's a cup game every week and feeling nervous and feeling all these feelings like we are. I, th I don't think we're going to be the only ones like that. And I think that's fair enough really because there's so much riding on football. People people laugh at you who don't like football and say, oh, it's just a ball and a bunch of blokes kicking up. It's more than that, isn't it, really? <laughs> it determines the rest of your week until the next game. And unfortunately, you know, when you've got the championship, you've got the next game on a Tuesday or Wednesday, you can get over it if you if you lost at the weekend or had a bad bad day. You've, you've got another game to come. In Premier League, you've got a long wait. Very right. Uh, Race, obviously you got something to say. Yeah, um, I know... You've had a bit of stick for obviously your rant, Christian, about Williams, etc. last week, about being over the top and that, you know, like I said to folk on Twitter, it was strong and that. Um, 
you know, we do try and be balanced on this podcast. Obviously, in regards to last week, and, and this isn't calling anybody at all who is unfortunate not to get tickets, but when you've, you know, spent the whole day travelling and spent a lot, a lot of money of going to West Ham, and I know that's a privilege as well, but you're still spending your own hard-earned money and then you obviously... Forest collapse in that fashion, it's going to get you back up and you are going to be negative about it. It's just, you know, that's just the way football goes. Um, I don't think people at times understand that. You know, when you've committed, you know, in this country, we only get two days off a weekend and you kind of do as much as you can in a weekend. And I get that's part and parcel of supporting your team and that. But, you know, um, yeah, like Adam's been a bit, bit wiser there, anti about talking about the bigger picture and that there is going to be as we've said, twists and turns, as we keep saying. So we'll see. But it's a week-by-week week thing, isn't it? People's opinions and people's frustration and happiness changes week-by-week. Week. That's just football, unfortunately. It's All I will say is that I'd much rather be doing this than doing being in any other position at the minute. I mean, like, would uh, you think about it? Like, Would you rather be in it? Like, uh, obviously, it was, been, it was a year on Friday, or sorry, sorry, a year on Saturday since we drew Sheffield United by all. And obviously, you know, you look at the table then, I think it's it's very funny looking at the compare and contrast. We've got like we got 28 points for the last 12 games, something fucking stupid. But like I would much rather be in this position now for so long away where all like it, it does it's generally just this is why the Premier League is the best league in the world, because you've got so much at stake and so many teams involved. There's like there's no set guarantee who's gonna win the title this year. There's no set guarantee who's gonna win the top four this year, apart from maybe the top three teams and even then United still might get caught by Liverpool there's you know Spurs might do something insane Newcastle might that's the thing like obviously if it was very unpredictable as is but it just does feel this season this has been a really good season to be involved with in a top flight like there's been no real fodder or anything like that and like or because Forrest about me obviously (laughs) we we, we bring this chaos with us evidently Mm. but like you're right the fact that nine teams could potentially be going down on the last day of the season which could happen that genuinely could be a possibility where you know someone's 20th could ping up to bloody 12th with one goal I wouldn't put it past this league, I'm, I'm hoping uh, Usain Palace need a point and it's just like the Mexico-Spain game in, in the Simpsons, Simpsons or whatever yeah. it is. Just for hey, James Tompkins and Joaquim Anderson yeah. just yeah. passing yeah. it along the back. Yeah, there, there is, like it. I said, there is weeks where it's going to fucking annoy you, but I love being a Premier League football club. I love watching the level of opposition we come up against and the grounds we go to and obviously seeing Forrest for the first time in 23 is at the highest level, but there is going to obviously be where you're going to get frustrated. You know, I just, I look forward to every single game and you kind of, you know, when you've been in the championship, there's always that odd game where you're like, even when you're doing well, you're like, mm, fucking Preston or Wigan or, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, fingers crossed we can... Um, it's weird because I'm not particularly positive, say, but yeah. I, optimistic about that. I can't wait for it. I just, I'm just, i really excited to see how we get on. We will come on to that now. So obviously it is first next uh, at the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, a place Forest haven't been to as of yet. Obviously went to the White Hart Lane a few times, but not been to this place yet. So, Lee, Spurs away. What do you reckon? I suppose we have been Spurs this season, haven't we? Um, it was quite a strong team that night, I suppose. Um, I can't see anything other than a home win. Again, I'll get called negative. But let's face it, if Tottenham's main men turn up, we, we probably will get beat like lots of teams do at Tottenham, I suppose. Um, I, I just I just hope it's a better performance. I mean, that would be a positive thing for me. I think 
like we mentioned earlier, Newcastle probably have dropped off a little bit. So I don't think it's knowing Forest it under the lights. The atmosphere in that one could be really good, but I think it depends on what result we get at Tottenham. Um, I think we'll learn from the West Ham game, so I'll go for a narrow defeat. Um, and a big shout out to Ricky Todd, who's not seen an away goal this season. Yeah, I think he's going to see one Saturday. Um, so I'll go for, I'll go for a three-one defeat. Sadly, it's weird. It's weird. You sort of feel like a privileged part of the club that you've just seen one of the three league goals we've seen in the fucking road this season. Ultimately, I'm I've gone with that prediction. One of them, but. I- Kind of, I just worry about Harry Kane. I think, obviously, Felipe did a really good job on Haaland a few weeks ago, but Harry Kane's just everywhere, isn't he? I think he'll just provide a completely different challenge for the two centre-halves that, sadly, at the minute, are still kind of getting used to each other. And it's probably a game to a game or two too early to be going up against arguably the best centre-forward in world football. So, yeah, I think, I think it'll be a, a 3-1 defeat, but hopefully an improved performance. Hopefully it would be nice. Uh, Reese, what about you? Can you ask me after Spurs' game in midweek? Because um, I am hoping that they do something ridiculously Spurs, which is not AC Milan out of the Champions League and then absolutely fluff the lines against us. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forget about that and go on what um, I'd expect to happen. You've got to obviously fancy them. I just... I look at obviously Sunday and the amount of space like Ducore had, for example, and then they've got one of the best strikers in the world. Who let's I know we beat him in the League Cup, but the game earlier on the season where we did play really well in the second goal, he literally had the freedom of Nottingham, they need to head in. So it's going to be a big test for us. Um, like I said, I'm just hoping this we get a visit to Dr. Tottenham, as um, Paul Hawksby says on Talk Sport, which I always enjoy. Um, but Nah, obviously, I'm very, very looking forward to going to the stadium. You know, it's probably regarded as one of, if not the best stadium in the world nowadays. So um, we'll see if it um, gets in the top five for me personally, but which I'm sure it will. But no, if I'm gonna gonna go with my head, I'm gonna say that Tottenham will win two 0 Two 0 first. Okay, Adam, what about you? I'm gonna be the early optimistic one, and and Hart says we're gonna draw one all. And uh, Head says we'll lose 2-0 as well, to be honest, if you're going to be realistic. I would like us to, I don't know, have a bit of a go at Tottenham because at the end of the day, everyone's going to say, well, we expect to lose. So why not lose by going with a a bit of a, with a, without a whimper, if you know what I mean. But arguably you don't want to get tanked either because we're actually not got the worst goal difference in the league now. Bournemouth have taken that mantle off us. So that's also going to be a factor within the this uh, last so many games of the season, isn't it? So yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna try and be optimistic and kind of get that that energy out there into the world and into the into the fan base. I might try and be really positive every day on Twitter and try and galvanize the the the, the people that are so negative and and try and uh, get a one one draw into reality. Manifest it all the way. Oh yeah. The, um, the worry for me is that apart from Arsenal and City, Spurs are the highest scorers in the league. And when you factor in the fact that we seem to forget how to defend when we leave an NG postcode, it doesn't really bode very well. But that being said, I'm also... Uh, so Head reckons we're probably going to get tanked 3 or 4-0. Um, I think regardless of what happens in midweek, Spurs are probably going to have a bit too much of us. However, I am going to be 
moderately optimistic and say that we can snatch a one or draw. We'll probably do something very Forest and let Richardson have his first goal of the season or something like that. And then I can see Forest, you know, maybe just nicking a goal late on and it giving us a massive confidence boost going into next week against uh, or the week after sorry, against Newcastle. But we'll see. I mean, anything we gain there is going to be a huge bonus. Everyone expects us to get trashed. So let's just try and prove these people wrong, I guess. That's ourselves included. Anyway, we'll sport to you after the Spurs game for those going safe travels and yeah I think on the balance of things maybe maybe we are in maybe the glass half full camp just to keep you surprised as negative Nelly's come good but anyway until then come on you Reds just a quick one as well from all of us on this podcast this is something that we all share and it's something that myself and I'm sure the other guys have noticed as well is that a lot of people especially Forest fans as that's what mostly I do have on my Twitter um, seeming to struggle a little bit with their mental health at the minute. You know, if you are struggling, um, by all means, message the pod and one of us will reply to you or message somebody on Twitter, you know, use the forest timeline with the hashtag or just to make sure you talk to somebody rather than doing anything silly. Um, there is plenty of options out there. You know, if you also want to talk to someone in confidence, there's, you know, charities like Mind who will help you. Um, but just make sure you just talk to somebody rather than, you know, doing anything silly. I think that's um, an important message to relay um, to anybody who listens to the pod who might be struggling at this time. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage of McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery free in terms apply, see mcdonalds.com.